Welcome to the Shine Online podcast. I'm your host and video content coach, Natasha. And after years of being a social media manager for service providers, coaches, and physical product brands while creating content for my own brand, I realized how important it is to infuse video into your strategy, no matter what surface or platform you decide to use for your brand. This podcast will help you create strategic video content that doesn't take away from your business, but fuels its growth. You'll leave each episode with a simpler way to show up with confidence that isn't reliant on the latest trend or gimmicky hacks, but a sustainable strategy. Ready to go from overwhelmed to confident in your content strategy? It's your time to shine. Welcome to the Authority Series, where I interview experts in online business to discuss industry-disrupting strategies and stories. In this series, you'll hear from my very own Mastermind alum, from the Online Authority Mastermind, which opens applications now for its third year in April. You can find all the details about joining the next round linked in the show notes. And today I'm so excited because I have Sam on the podcast, who's just been like a longtime client and friend of mine and has so much wisdom to share. So thanks for being on the show. Hey, Natasha, thank you so much for having me. Yes. So first of all, introduce yourself and tell us a little about what you do, how you got to where you are before we dive on in. Yeah, sure. So I'm Sam Vanderweelen. I'm an attorney turned entrepreneur who helps online coaches, educators, course creators learn how to legally protect and grow their online businesses using my DIY legal templates and my best selling The Ultimate Bundle program, where I give people the legal templates and the training they need to get their businesses both legally set up, but also legally ready to scale. So I was a corporate attorney for a little over five years um, in the Philadelphia area where I was born and raised before I made the leap in 2016 to start my own online business. And I am just beyond grateful. Somebody actually did ask me anything today on Instagram and somebody was like, do you ever miss being a lawyer? I was like, absolutely not. I still feel <laughs> so free and like so happy and just beyond grateful to be here. And I know you know that I just really, really love what I do. And so I'm very excited to talk about this today. Yeah. And I would love to talk about that first thing, actually, because we were taught before we started recording, we were chatting. And I know that was something you said of like, you know, life has gotten hard, which you talk a lot about very openly on your on your Instagram. But um, the business is easy. The business feels easy. And I'm sure a lot of people probably are like, I cannot at all relate to that. And so I'm curious, like, what have you attributed to business just feeling so easy and fun? Because I feel like everyone glamorizes like, oh, like you get to work remotely and create your own schedule. But then like our businesses can become not that very easily. So I'm just curious what you've attributed to that. Yeah, that's so true. I, for one, I attribute my love for like the outcome of what I do. So I think sometimes Mm. people get caught up too much in the being like in love with the process of everything they do. And Mm. I think sometimes it would just be a little bit of a relief for everybody to be like, this is a job. Like owning your own business is still a job. And so there's still going to be things you have to do. Like I always joke about how like we, somebody's got to clean the toilets, right? Like we all have to clean the toilets (laughs) around here. The toilets just get cleaned. And then we get to do all the other stuff that we want to do too, you know? And I think sometimes people talk too much about like everything has to be in a line and everything has to be like soul searching love, you know, for what you do. And I'm like, I don't love legal template. Like they're legal templates. I love yeah. that I get to help other people start a business. Right. And like, if that is what makes them feel more confident and excited and comfortable to do what they do, like that's what keeps me going. So I think focusing more on that, like outcome of what I get to do versus like the little day to day process. And 
I would say that the other thing is dropping a lot of the things that I consider to be kind of running on treadmill type tasks that I see a lot of online entrepreneurs doing that aren't truly growing the business. And I approach every single thing in my business as if I was investing money in the stock market, like I'm only doing things that are going to go somewhere and grow for me. I am not doing Mm. what I call toilet content. I am not doing stuff. That's like, this is like one time it works for a week and it's gone. I do things that work long-term and are consistently bringing in leads, which means that I don't have to be running around like crazy. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like that like leads us to a conversation that I think is really interesting. I know you have a lot of thoughts on is you've been able to grow your business to multiple seven figures. I know when a lot of people get to that point, that's when we often see kind of the the walls coming down, right? Which we've literally seen um, in the online space of people just leaving, right? And so I'm just curious that once we get to that seven figure mark, that's maybe a goal that people are have or they're working towards or they're close to. What are you feel like are a few things that people don't do or don't think enough about or don't consider or don't implement? Because I know when it comes to spending money or growing a team or marketing and growing your revenue, there's like a lot that kind of comes into play once you're at that level. So I'm curious your your thoughts there because I know you got some thoughts given yeah. to us. <laughs> I know. I always have thoughts. Um, I think that for one thing, people don't stay focused enough, which is maybe why they don't ever get to the seven figure or multi seven figure mark or Mm. why when we see them get there, they don't keep it. Because for me, like I've sold two things. I sell a la carte legal templates and I sell the ultimate bundle. I have sold the same thing since 2017. I have not added on any additional products. Like I've improved things. I've made things better. And you might look at that and you might be like, that's stupid, right? Like that doesn't make sense. At the same time, I think it's what's allowed me really to be able to scale and although I've always had these opportunities to add and maybe my business would be a $15 million business instead or something like this, I think that it's what's allowed me to do what I am doing and stay sane and like still love what I'm doing, right? So of course there might be opportunity. That doesn't mean you always have to add it. I think it's hard as you grow to not be tempted to start treating this like a lifestyle business and start letting your business like start funding a lifestyle, especially there's the temptation to use that in part of your marketing, which I am very against. And so I am a very anti like aspirational marketing person, not because I'm not bougie as like Natasha loves her matcha. I love my coffee and like (laughs) lots of other things. Right. I I drive an electric car. That was like super important to me. My car, though, doesn't sell my legal templates like that's kind of Mm -hmm. more the way that I think about it. And also, I always am, am quick to point out to people by the time I bought an electric car, for example, I could have bought like 10 of them. Like, so I waited and waited and waited and waited and waited. And I made sure that the business was so dang healthy that being able to pay in full for an electric car, a really bougie, nice one that I wanted, did not even make a dent in the business, right? No, Nobody even noticed. Nobody said anything. So that's the way that I've approached business. And I think, like, I'm not saying it's the right way, but it has worked for me. It wor- has worked for ads, for example, for Facebook ads. I waited to invest in ads so that if they didn't work out, if they didn't go well or it took time to like ramp them up, which it does, of course, that that would not financially impact the business. And so I think sometimes in our line of work, we just see a little too much of like make a buck, spend two kind of attitude uh, or make a buck, spend a buck. And I really, really waited and I made sure that the business was so healthy and comfortable so that I could make like very strategic decisions, but also nothing that was going to sink me. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like the the theme I was getting from both of those pieces of advice you shared was almost like, don't look to your business or 
things you don't actually care about to bring you joy. Mm-hmm. Um, because when we're bored in our business and are like, what if we do this? And what if we do that? And like, we get all that, like all the shiny objects. But also when we're like, oh, we're, we're making money. So like, should we get this? That'll look really cool on Instagram. And even without thinking it's going to look cool on Instagram, like I think we don't understand how we're so influenced by what we see. And so it really sounds like what you're, what you're saying for your advice is just like making sure you're, you're not making decisions personally or in business based on the, the shiny things that you think are going to make things better. Like what do you actually want and what's actually going to move the needle forward? Yeah, totally. And that's, that's why like I always hope to be in why I talk about this stuff so often because like I'm not, I'm not afraid to say that my business is very successful, but then also to show you that there is another way, like, and not because I'm not materialistic or I'm not as in, influence as everybody else can be right but because i do think there's another way to build your business online that doesn't include only attracting people through like what you've acquired and not through the skills and the expertise that you have which is funny it relates to what i do legally like i always think about this that you know it's people people who are using like the the g-wagon that they bought or whatever from however many courses that they sold it's like but how good are you at actually teaching me whatever it is that you teach then people mm-hmm. buy your program and they're disappointed and they want a refund and like all these legal issues come up. Right. So yeah. I find them very related, actually. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of legally protecting our businesses, I would love to just talk about like, what do people need in place, especially with people that are like, okay, I'm, I'm starting to see some growth. I'm starting to scale my business. Like, what should I already have in place? But what also should I start planning to add into the mix? Yeah. So I like to think of making sure you have your foundation set first, regardless of where you're at in your business journey. Cause sometimes people, you know, you just might not have tackled this quite yet. So making sure that you have your business registered and that you have your business registered in the state where you live and work as a kind of business entity that protects you personally. Cause when it comes to like registering your business, really the goal is to insulate you as a person so that if something happens in your business, you're not on the hook for it. So that is like no pass go. We want to make sure we get that in place. I would also say one of the most like underlooked areas would be business insurance because a lot of times people will have like an LLC, for example, but then I say to them, right, but if you got sued or something happened in your business, it's great that you're not personally responsible for it because of the LLC. But now your business is responsible for it. And how many businesses can financially sustain a lawsuit? So business insurance provides you with an attorney. They pay for that attorney. And then they pay for the like judgment or settlement that's found against your business as long as, of course, you're sued for something that's covered by your policy. So that's like another big one where we could just get that financial weight off of your back. And I'd say the third thing is to have the right contracts and policies in place because whatever you're selling, you know, if you only have one or two offers right now, those offers just need to have a contract in place. If it's something more like a course, um, a membership, a digital product, there should be something at checkout. If you're like coaching or offering services, it should be something that you send to people to e-sign and send back to you. So really just making sure that we have that in place. I would say for anybody too who's doing anything in the service realm, if you don't know your scope of practice, so if you don't know what you're legally allowed to talk about, whether you talk about money or stuff that's in like the therapy, self-care realm or health or fitness or anything like this business, um, you have to know what it is that you're like the scope, the breadth of what you're allowed to talk about. 
Otherwise, it will not matter that you have an LLC or will not matter that you used a contract. If you are talking about things, if you're offering advice on things that you're not legally allowed to do at the end of the day, the foundation really won't protect you. So it's really important that you learn that. And I definitely have lots of resources on that. Yeah, definitely. And we'll link a lot of Sam's resources in the show notes because I feel like that breakdown was so, so helpful. And I just love how you simplify things. I know it's like such a big part of your brand, but you just like make things feel simple and like, oh, if I don't have that in place, like it's okay. I can still do it. Like we're, we're good to go. And I want to talk about something that I know has happened to me and probably other people listening. And that is when our content gets copied. And I know it's really hard to know like, they're like, like, what can I do? What can I even do to help myself in this situation? And so I would love for you to share, like, can we protect ourselves? Like, what do we do if we get copied? Like, what to not do when we get copied? Like, lay, lay the ground floor. <laughs> yeah, I I would love to talk about this because first, I, I we can link to this. I just did an episode called Is It Inspiration or Stolen Content? Because I think a lot of times in our industry, mm. I hear people use the phrase stolen or copycat. And it's in fact, more like what I would consider like mimicking inspired or it's like something you don't own like like people write Mm. to me all the time and be like i talked about deadlifts today and then the girl that's copying me talked about deadlifts tomorrow and it's like right that's not copy so yeah yeah, so it's like that kind of stuff like we don't own like concepts or something like this um so first is like making sure that we know what we're categorizing is actually copying like once we've determine that. The very first thing I would keep in mind is that this is all about kind of having a game plan. This is more like SOP territory because there's only so much we can do on the prevention side because, you know, as I always say, I say in my like free workshop, like people can like Becky can like open up your Instagram and like type it into her phone. Like there's no like mechanism by which we can like block people from copying our captions or, you know, this kind of stuff. So this is about having the plan in place. And the very first thing I want you to do whenever you see a copycat is to pause and, and like remember your plan, kind of like go to your plan. It, it's kind of like a fire safety drill, like knowing what the plan is yeah. and then just like immediately like looking at the map and knowing where you're going. And the reason that that's also very important is because I don't want you to, to do anything to react quite yet. So you're not to contact them, you're not to say anything, anything like that. The first like active step I want you to take is to document the crap out of whatever you see. So whether that's screenshots, um, taking a loom video, like PDF, saving PDFs, like whatever you got to do. And sometimes it's helpful to like see if you're just scratching the surface. So like I've had people before who have copied some copy of mine from like a social post, but then I go over to their website and I see more of it. And then we download their Mm. freebie and I find out that that's from mine. So it's like sometimes this can be a symptom of a larger issue. And so you that's why it's also very important you don't say anything because they could like start taking stuff down and you really want to document the full like breath of it. So you're going to go through and document all of that stuff. And then you kind of come to a fork in the road as to now that you've documented, because you've really gotten a clear picture of like, what's really going on here. Is this just a stolen caption or is this like a stolen product? You now get to decide, do you want to handle this yourself or do you want to go to an attorney? And that is really a decision that's up to you. I mean, I can make an easy decision for you personally, if it was like a stolen product, like something more serious like that. I would not contact this person myself at all. I would go straight to a lawyer and I would handle it through them because that can be big and it can be mean you get like economic damages and like all of this kind of stuff. If it's more like stolen caption, 
that might be something you decide to to handle yourself. I have a cease and desist letter like template and training that people get in my bundle, but like, and it's something I'm going to be talking about in a copycats workshop I have coming up, but that's something like you can send that yourself. Uh, a lot of people think that only lawyers can send cease and desist letters. And that is not true. It's just that they're much scarier when they come with Esquire after your name. Um, that's yeah. all, but you are allowed to send that and contact them to ask them to take it down. There are also like individual steps you can take with the platforms themselves, like Instagram, do not go through the normal like Instagram report feature. You have to go to Instagram's actual website. Yes, they have a website and they have a reporting form and you can put in all the information there. And it's a the pretty much the only way to like actually get these things handled if we're talking like app specific. Mm, that is so helpful. And I feel like it's empowering because I know it can be really frustrating when it happens and it can feel really easy to react, like you mentioned. So I feel like that was like such a good tip in its own. And can you tell us a little bit more about the Copycats workshop? Because I feel like that'll be a, an extra little helpful resource if they were like, oh my gosh, this is so good. I want more Sam. Yeah, I'm so <laughs> excited to do this. I've done it once before. We had like three, 4,000 people sign up for it. So I know people are very excited about it, but I have a a new live workshop coming up called What to Do If Copycats Steal Your Content. In it, I'm going to teach you, I'm going to go deeper into all these details about like choosing these paths, like the go down it yourself path or the lawyer path, teach you what to do if you want to go down it yourself, teach you the best practices, even if you want to hire a lawyer so you can save money, hopefully, and a lot of time, get the right person. I'm also going to break down that cease and desist letter for everybody in the training, like kind of teach you what I call the anatomy of a cease and desist letter and like how to craft one yourself and then give you the template inside of that. So that will be really cool. I'll talk about some platform specific takedown tips, like what we do with Instagram, for example, we have a, we have an SOP for it now because it happens so often. So there's, we just have like a little plug and play option. So I'll be breaking that down for everybody, but yes, it's on April 25th. I'm so excited. I'll be there live too. So everybody can ask me questions and that will be really cool. Good stuff. We will link that in the show notes. Highly recommend attending. I will be in attendance. I need this too. <laughs> well, now I want to talk a little bit about like your case study, not only from the mastermind, but also from all the times that we've worked together. And so let's talk launching. So kind of lay the land on before we started working together, which has been a few years now, what were your launches like? They were going well, right? But how were they feeling and the energy behind them? Because I feel like that was kind of more where the pain point was. Yeah, for sure. I, I would say like before we started working together, I think launch content at least was kind of the more of the old school. Like I think I came to you in general when I we had hit this like shift in social media where we used to operate one way and like every there were like tons yeah. of trainings on stories and like lots of graphics and all this and things had changed and I kind of couldn't figure out like how I wanted to shift with it. So yeah. my promos were focusing on all those like old annoying graphics that were just like on sale and like and had like the <laughs> mock-ups and you know all of this kind of stuff. And they were just like dead. Like we we would all talk about as a team, like every time we would have a, we'd have a really active and engaged social media, but then when we would run a promo, it would be kind of dead. And so yeah. that wasn't feeling great. We were still getting tons of sales and things, but we felt like there was some missed opportunities there. That's kind of where we were at, I would say, like more on the content side. And then for me, it was still like a lot of in the moment, like face to camera stuff, like trying to keep up. Yeah. It was sort of stressful. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then since then, I feel like you've added this really dynamic layer of video in your launches that I think having graphics in your launches is always really helpful because it's one of the best ways to break down information, right? Like simply put. 
But I also feel like when you're able to add things like your stories and even like lives, which we strategically use during your launches and things like reels, like it just adds this layer of like energy and fun that can combat low engagement during launches. So do you want to kind of talk about what that's felt like since? Yeah, so that that was really a cool thing that you had suggested and that we added and have kept ever since was that, you know, now leading up to any sort of promo, we kind of add in new services, new layers, and we build up first, I think was helpful to learn that, like, let's say we add in the service of like having IG lives a few times during the promo. Well, I start them like a month beforehand. So now we have like one, at least one a week. We advertise them like we have we usually have the post where people can like set the reminder. We set the reminder yeah. in stories like we just build that up more. And then that way, during the promo itself, like people were already kind of getting engaged that way. And it was interesting because people we would host lives during the promos that would be more like educational. But people would actually come to them and ask questions about the product, like knowing it was right. on sale. So that was cool. And then I think like knowing, too, that we could do a couple of bigger pieces of video ahead of time and simplify like I I definitely have learned in working with you that less was a lot more and so slowing down the number of stories not having so many stories not having so many slides for sure and then like not having so many pieces on the feed like all at once and not really giving any one piece of content the room to breathe and grow yeah definitely and I feel like outside of launches like that's also what has been so fun to watch is like how you show up on video. Cause I think like being on videos seems pretty e- like easier for you. I know some people struggle. There's like a spectrum, right? But I feel like you do just such a great job on stories of like bringing people into your day from for opening up and sharing vulnerably and making people feel like they're connected with you personally and like bringing up really important topics. Um, but also with like creating video content in a way where like you have the support of a team, but you're still able to be like kind of like what I like to call like the visionary of your content. So I'd love to like hear like your process on how you've been able to simplify video while still creating lots of video content. Yeah, I well, first and foremost, I guess I always hope to be a little bit of a voice for people who have a lot of stuff going on. Like I started this business definitely like full, full of energy and excitement. And then like pretty much immediately had brain surgery. Then my dad got cancer, took care of my dad. My dad passed and now my mom is really sick. And like, so I've had these like major life events literally the entire time. And I think it's helpful to hear from somebody maybe who's like, Yes, I'm not like totally afraid of I'm not afraid of being on video. I'm not afraid of public speaking at all. So that's helpful. But like my life has been a mess on the back end. And I have shown up because like what I guess like the ultimate goal or like the bigger picture was more important to me than like how I looked or how I felt or how I sounded or like having always the right backdrop. I mean, I've done literally Instagram stories in my dad's chemo room. Like I've just done a lot of these things, you know, along the way. And so I just I guess I hope to inspire a little bit somebody who's just like feeling you know, like they don't have the perfect backdrop or the perfect hair or the perfect whatever. It's like, it, it honest to goodness doesn't matter. So there's like that whole piece. But I think also you, you really inspired me to like just make capturing what would otherwise be very plain moments like making my coffee or writing an email or whatever as part of my day and kind of just getting into the habit. I know what works for me is is not doing that all the time because then I find that I'm not present in my life, but having like yeah. a day or two where I'm you know, like, oh, I just want to capture a lot of B-roll of me working today. You've taught me just to have like something set up, like have my little tripod thing set up. So you make it super easy. You pop that in. I try to like change the angle every once in a while. So you're not always staring (laughs) at like one side of my face (laughs) or something like that. 
but really having like more than you need, I guess, because I never know. I never really know what we're going to end up using. It's not like, I think what you probably shifted me from doing was like, I used to shoot video with a purpose. Whereas now mm-hmm. I just shoot video. I'm like, I don't know. And probably just like a movie, a lot of it ends up on the cutting room floor and we never use it, but then like we use right. some of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the power of like having video being like a habit and a part of like how you operate with healthy boundaries, which I'm so glad you mentioned. But I also just love how you really brought back to kind of what you were talking about before of like why you love your business so much is because you think about the outcome you're getting people. And I feel like you think of your content the same way, which I think is so powerful is like we often think so much about ourselves that we forget about like who we're actually creating for. And I think that's really where the shift happens. So, so glad you shared that. And I just, I think one of my favorite things about the mastermind is the ability to connect and collaborate and invest in each other and, and meet in real life. And I feel like you were able to do that while you were in the mastermind. So I want you to kind of talk about that layer as well. Cause I just like love seeing the podcast episodes and like all the things. (laughs) I know it's so fun. Well, it was so funny. I remember telling you this when it happened, but I had just moved to like, I moved out to like the North Shore all the way on the east end of Long Island. And like, yeah. I'm out on the beach. I'm in the middle of nowhere. And it's absolutely <laughs> stunning, but there aren't a lot of people here. And so yeah. I moved here and like my dad was really sick. I didn't know anybody. And I joined your mastermind and these two girls come on and I'm like, hmm, they sound like they're from New York. And what do you know? They live like 15 minutes from me. Crazy. So they're like, they're like the only two friends I still have here because I've been really bad about that. That's a separate <laughs> podcast for a separate day. But they're delightful and we hang out all the time. We like we're actually we're doing it. a little hibachi tour at the moment where we go around and try different hibachi places <laughs> and we keep joking that we're gonna start a YouTube channel. Um oh so gosh. we have that going for us. Yeah, and then even like finding collaborative partners like Gila from Little Fish Accounting because yeah. like I'm a lawyer, she's an accountant, it just kind of makes yeah, sense. Um, so totally. we, yeah, so we did a podcast episode together. Um, and oh, and then I hired her to do a training for my ultimate bundle members, which was really awesome. Yeah. And I've had like several smaller things with other people in the group and like everybody, I mean, you just did a really good job like curating it. And I, I personally liked that there was like a wide variety of us. There wasn't a ton of like overlap as to what everyone was doing, which I always enjoy because I get a lot of ideas and inspiration from seeing people way outside my industry, which is like, but P.S. One of my biggest copycat tips is to like how to not copy other people is that personally, I never follow anybody who does yeah. what I do. I don't need to learn about legal. So I'm not like I don't need to consume their content and it keeps my head straight. But that's also what's like cool about being in that kind of mastermind environment where like people are doing really different things. I sometimes find that that's what like opens you up the most. Yeah. Yeah. I also like I cannot promise that there's going to be someone 15 minutes away from you if you join us. Like I can't promise that. <laughs> I just got lucky. But yeah, you just got very lucky. Yeah. But and I know Keelan and Simone, they're both in the same yeah. area. So just, some of y'all will just get lucky. It's like a luck of the draw. But I do think like I know conversations we've had um is just like it's sometimes just so hard to like bring those online connections and like make those actual like collaborations and, and relationships. And I feel like that's where the value of like a true mastermind, like not just a group program called a mastermind, but like a true mastermind where there's these different minds coming together that are in different stages and different perspectives, but all are working towards a similar goal and like being able to have opportunities that literally like fuel your business launches and and have those podcast 
interviews and things like that, but also just like the friendships and relationships of like we get each other and like we're all all working towards a similar thing. So I'm so glad you were able to get it out of the mastermind. And I'm also just so glad that you were able to just share so much wisdom in this podcast episode and share a little bit about your experience working together. And yeah, let everyone know where they can connect with you because I'm sure they're like, I want more. <laughs> yeah, well, I would love for, to chat with you. Um, You can find me on Instagram at Sam Vanderland, my website, samvanderland.com, where I sell all of my legal templates and the ultimate bundle. And then I'll make sure you have the link below to sign up for my what's do of copycats steal your content live training on April 25th. But I would love for you to send me a DM on Instagram and say hi and let me know you met me through Natasha's podcast. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Sam. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into the Shine Online podcast. I hope this episode has helped you find a simpler way to show up consistently on video. If you loved what you heard, please share this episode with a business owner you know who is struggling with content and video in their business. Or connect on Instagram at Shine with Natasha by taking a screenshot and sharing your biggest takeaway. See you in the next episode.